welcome to the Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler, hosts and founders of the group Bridge the Divide Cedarburg. We hope to provide a forum for discussion and action around racial reconciliation. We seek to identify instances of inequality, foster empathy, and educate others to recognize their part in problems and solutions in Ozaki County and beyond. Research investigating the influence of media exposure on issues of race and ethnicity is well documented. We talked about that in one of our previous podcasts. Mm -hmm. But um, today we're going to have a more in-depth look into how the information we receive affects our attitudes and perception. Um, We have with us in the studio Dr. Tim McAfee. He is um, with the Department of Communications at Concordia University, Wisconsin. Thanks for being with us today. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me. So I think it's uh, a good way to start thinking about how mass media and information we get from it relates to some of our attitudes. Uh, If we look at the most or the latest Marquette University Law School poll, uh, specifically looking at certain groups and how they perceive the current uh, president of the United States, um, President Donald Trump. And some of the questions that were asked in the poll dealt with things such as, how do you think the president is doing um, in terms of handling the job as president? Also thinking about how Donald Trump as the president, if that has sort of changed what people think about regarding the Republican Party, their attitudes about that. And then also, more related to my specific uh, interest, is thinking about how certain people pay attention to Donald Trump's rallies, uh, his campaign speeches via, or not campaign speeches, but um, political rallies uh, via via the news media. And so... Potentially unsurprisingly, uh, we see in the Marquette Law School poll that more than 80% of those um, black respondents, uh, they reported disapproving Trump's handling of the job um, up and close to the midterm election. And that was kind of by far the largest percent within uh, the racial group of disapproving of his job performance thus far. Uh, Similarly, 70% uh, of the black respondents who responded to the survey thought that Donald Trump as president um, changed the Republican Party for the worse. So 7 in 10 thought that he was making the Republican Party worse than what it was before. Now, the, the data doesn't necessarily show what they thought of the Republican Party before Donald Trump became president. But nevertheless, that's a pretty sizable uh, percentage. And again, that was the largest percent for thinking that he changed the Republican Party for uh, the worse. Uh, If we look at uh, Hispanic respondents, the numbers are a little bit different. And I think it's an interesting way to consider how different um, racial groups think about Donald Trump. And so 
versus the 80% of black respondents who thought Trump was um, not doing his job very well, just about 50% of Hispanic respondents. So it's about a 30% difference. Uh, And similarly, 30% of Hispanic respondents thought that Donald Trump was actually good for the Republican Party. So it's a pretty stark difference. Um, And similarly, but even more so, uh, Hispanic respondents uh, don't really pay much attention to Trump. Um, Trump's rallies via the news media, um, and about fifty percent of the black respondents do so as well. So, I guess the big takeaways from that Marquette Law School poll was right. There are some pretty negative opinions of uh, President Donald Trump at, the, at this point, at least among um, racial uh, minorities. And the question then for me more interestingly, is why do those opinions manifest themselves in the law school poll? And again, there are a lot of factors that play into this, and the information that we get through news media is one of many, but it can be an important, it can be an important factor. And I think when we think about the role of news media in how we perceive the world and how we perceive other people— the biggest issue, in my estimation, is we don't necessarily think about it a lot and that we kind of take it for granted that what we see potentially is normal or natural and that when that happens, we kind of assume that people are different than us in many sort of ways that, again, maybe relate to how we think about them uh, and then potentially down the road what we actually do with those opinions and our actual uh, behavior. Before you transition into some of those, um, do you, off the top of your head, know the the percentages compared to white voters? They were much different. Um, I know that in terms of handling of the job, I think it was about 50 to 60 percent. I'm not positive about that, but... They approved? Approved of Donald Trump doing... Um, the job. And I think 60% actually probably is a little bit high. I think it was around 50%. And I think the percentage was about the same for changing the Republican Party for the good, roughly 50%, give or take. And that, you know, that kind of falls in line with um, voting for him uh, during the election. So the percentages are certainly different, but white respondents aligned a little more closely to Hispanic respondents than they did with um, black respondents. Okay. So how does how do we come to those opinions? It's multifaceted. There's a lot of different reasons. But I think people get information from politicians and candidates mostly from either other people that they talk to or through information they get through news media. And news media can mean... TV news, newspapers, certainly social media, other news websites, and what we as citizens, as people tend to think about, uh, can be determined by what we see in news media. So the theory of agenda setting in the media effects literature suggests that news media sort of set the agenda for what issues citizens think about, um, that what the news media report on, and I use the term news media very 
broadly, but what mainstream news media report on, New York Times, NBC News, even local news stations here in uh, Milwaukee and Cedarburg area, they set the agenda for what we should care about because certainly news media can't report on everything and they choose tend to choose things that have certain characteristics. So when we care about certain issues through understanding information via the news media, we therefore then don't care about other issues or don't have an understanding of what's going on um, in other parts of the world, other parts of our community. And news media tend to want to talk to important people like a president. And so because of that, people tend to think about what the president talks about. If the news media is trying to get information from President Donald Trump and then report on it and then broadcast it, either in a printed paper or on the nightly network news, people are going to care about what the president says. And that isn't a bad thing because the president is a really important person. Um, And because of that, then, up until the midterm elections, President Donald Trump was commenting via Twitter, via um, other means of communication about the caravan um, of individuals who were making their way towards the U.S. Uh, border from um, from Central America. And so that becomes sort of on the top of the mind of people who are consuming news, and that sort of becomes an important issue to care about. And it doesn't mean that it wouldn't otherwise be, but it does become on top of people's minds and it's what people want to think about. Do you have a question? Yeah, I do. I'm like, I I feel some of the times when I'm, when I'm, when there's, you know, the news comes up and they give you the agenda for the day, I feel kind of caught off guard. Like we're talking about the caravan. I, I heard nothing about it, knew nothing about it. And then all of a sudden one day we're being invaded from the South and all the world has to stop and we have, you know, um, military headed to the border. And I feel like I missed where was I not here? What happened? How did I, did I miss this? And, and it, because it became top of mind for, I guess, especially before the midterm election, it was, it was top of mind for everybody else. So they were talking about it, but then I kind of felt like, you know, the bad citizen going, why didn't I know what was happening to my country? Oh no. And, you know, and then it's spending the time kind of, pulling out what I think is accurate information or researching it Mm -hmm. and not just taking what comes up on that commercial as, oh, well, this must be so. Let me go check that out and research it a little bit. Doesn't it feel like their agenda sometimes is fluid too? Like if there's a more important story that comes up all of a sudden they maybe they have something planned, but then you'll see the media shift to like the bigger catastrophe. And like even with the 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 shooting at the synagogue. Yeah. We, we missed a couple of other stories that we brought up last right. time. Um, right. Of the people shot in the grocery store by a white supremacist um, mm-hmm. or, and other things. Just because whatever is the most sensational seems to get the, is it, is the agenda setting um, ratings driven? Is it whatever's the biggest catastrophe or how do they set their agenda? I think that's a question that's, is constantly asked and sort of what comes first is it the news media who sets the agenda or is it the politicians or candidates or people that set the agenda and i would imagine i mean i think news media organizations are a business they they need to uh, make money and 
certain stories, right? Um, whether it, you know, they have to, certain stories will drive viewership and viewership tends to lead to people wanting, companies wanting to advertise with them. Advertising in some ways is how some news organizations get paid. Not all, of course, but some. And so the fluidity, I think, of, of the news agenda changes at least in some part by what the people and the sources they most likely want to speak to say. And so Mm -hmm. when that happens, then inevitably there are going to be other issues and other potential news stories that are going to be missed out. And news media can't report and cover everything. And Mm -hmm. so there is inevitably going to be that that lack of another story that potentially could be could be worthwhile. Uh, I think about the, and this is kind of where social media comes in. Uh, thinking about the incidents and events at Baraboo High School, um, mm-hmm. very likely that story never would have gotten reported on. I can't say for sure, but it was via a social media post that first sort of sparked some knowledge about it and then Milwaukee Journal Sentinel other newspapers picked it up and started reporting on it and then you saw sort of follow-up stories and it sort of begins a cycle of digging potentially more into the story and following up on it but to your point it would not necessarily become an issue unless somebody makes it an issue and one role of social media is to potentially share information that otherwise wouldn't necessarily be shared. And there are a lot of examples of how that comes to fruition, but the Baraboo High School um, incident, event, however you want to categorize it, was at least partly due to a non-typical source sharing something that was picked up via social media and then kind of perpetuated in other forms of media. Okay. Thank you, Dr. McAvee. We are going to go to a short break and then we're going to continue the conversation after that. the daily events at your Cedarburg Public Library for the week of December 2nd through the 8th. On Monday the 3rd at 3 p.m., VR Drop-In featuring Beat Saber. And at 3.30, the Teen Advisory Board meets at the Grafton Public Library. On Tuesday the 4th at 6.30 p.m., PJs and Cookies. On Thursday the 6th at 4.15 p.m., After School Creative Coloring Club. On Friday the 7th at 10 a.m., drop-in family story time. And on Saturday the 8th at 10 a.m., it's the fourth annual Christmas Countdown. If you have any questions about any of these events, please call us at 262-375-7640. 
There's always something going on at your Cedarburg Public Library. So if we consider the role of agenda setting in what news media talk about, then the next step is to consider how news media talk about issues. And it's actually a pet peeve of mine is to just throw the word media or news media around because we have so many choices. And so I'm lumping news media into one category. And I think that's something actually to be cognizant of is to understand that there's a lot of different ways to get news and information. Um, And so the media is not a great descriptor. But nevertheless, I digress a little bit there. (laughs) But framing theory suggests um, that the way that some news media report on issues, this is where we start thinking about how people understand the issues uh, that news media are actually talking about. And so if you think about a picture frame, if you frame a picture of sitting at a park at a picnic bench, you depending upon how large the frame is, only get a certain perspective of what everything else is happening around you. And so that means, therefore, that some things that are happening around the picture that you don't see could potentially be important, but you're framing a particular scene of what you experienced. So the idea that news frames do the same thing suggests that for any particular story, for any particular news event, that some news media tend to frame, or not some, news media frame issues in a particular way. And so, similar to the analogy, news media, a journalist can't report on every single thing that happened for any number of reasons. Time constraints, word length, you can't just continue to talk about the same issue over and over and over again. So, there are decisions that have to be made. And when those decisions are made by a journalist to report on a story in a particular way, the potential is is that the way that the journalist reports on the story can potentially impact how the person receiving the story thinks about the story itself. And so, of course, news media try to be objective, um, and objectivity usually means trying to produce something that's fair uh, and sort of two sides. But in some ways, the idea of true objectivity is not possible because every journalist and every person who receives the information um, is has their biases implicit to them. That mm-hmm. doesn't make them a bad person necessarily, but they understand the information in some ways. So in many ways, when President Donald Trump was talking about the caravan, he used language like bad people, you know, they may be coming to our border, um, they are going to disrupt our way of life. Uh, that the U.S. must protect the border, uh, and that if the U.S. doesn't protect their border, that conflict is sort of inevitable. Um, And so it's possible that journalists could say in their writing, well, that's not true, that's not actually going to happen, that that's fabrication of what actually is happening. And we did see that in some instances. There was sort of a viral... uh, video of Fox News' Shepard Smith, who kind of said in sort of sarcastic but direct terms that the caravan's not coming for you, everything is okay, don't worry about it. But the point here is that 
journalists tend to be objective. And so if Donald Trump is saying that there are bad people in the caravan, that they're coming to harm the United States, that we must protect them, protect the border, if journalists report with that frame, if you will, by framing the issue about bad people, sort of us versus them mentality, Mm -hmm. then it's potentially potentially influences how people who receive that news are going to start thinking about the caravan and the people in the caravan. And if the rhetoric from President Trump is generally that we should be worried and scared and the caravan is problematic, then individuals who receive that rhetoric via the news media reports, they will potentially take on those same attitudes Mm -hmm. of fear of people who are coming to the border. Well, and I feel like as I get older, I'm getting a little more cynical too. But when you're talking about being objective as a journalist, as a media outlet, it it still feels that it's slanted to me because if you don't have journalists that are people of color, if you don't have um, cameramen who are people of color, if you don't have people who own or produce segments, if none of them are people of color, I see them as feeling like they're being very objective, but having a very different point of view than if you had people of color at the table who would say, "Eh, can you really say that? That's not right. So I I mean, I, I don't doubt that that they feel like they're being objective, but it always feels slanted to me. Like I, you know, and again, the cynicism, I don't know. Well, and I think <laughs> I think that comes back to kind of what I said a few minutes ago about everyone's sort of implicit biases. Yeah. And a journalist who has a certain background, who grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, whatever it might be, they see the world differently right. based on somebody else who is not white, maybe a black journalist who live in a predominantly black neighborhood, for example. Not, that's a, not, that always happens that way. But the point here is that even if journalists try to be objective, something as simple as a, a phrase choice versus another phrase could potentially have an uh, impact on how people understand uh, understand the story. So there certainly are a lot of ways in which the biases that journalists have, news organizations have, can shape how people understand the stories from a perspective of race and from a perspective of ethnicity and more basically from a perspective of sort of us versus them, sort of the fear of the other, uh, which is... Mm-hmm. Something that politicians and candidates have done for a long, long time. It wasn't started by Donald Trump. It won't end with Donald Trump. And in some ways, politicians have to set up a us versus them. But the problem potentially arises when talking about the other is centered on negative descriptions Mm -hmm. or based out of fear. Um, That potentially can have issues. And again, the way that news media report on that even if they're trying to be objective with what the president is saying, his words have an impact on how people think about the issue. Hmm. And so then the last, well, second to last sort of way of thinking about this is if we've set the agenda, if we've talked about 
news media in certain ways. Over time, if you continue to report on issues and people and, and things in a certain way, that gets into people's minds. And this is more psychological, but you begin to, when you hear certain words and when you hear certain phrases, you automatically think something. Mm -hmm. So over time, when you hear caravan, you may think to yourself, oh, caravan equals bad. I should be scared. Mm -hmm. Now, there doesn't mean this happens for everybody. And there are a lot of other, like I said at the beginning, a lot of other issues and and variables or reasons why people think certain things. But the idea of priming is that you hear certain things and it sort of primes the pump, if you will, where you are sort of whatever's on the top of your mind, whatever you've been sort of exposed to repeatedly through the multiple ways of framing things, you're primed to think certain thing, certain things. And people judge other groups based on those top of mind mm -hmm. references that they get at least, at least partially through news media, um, news media reporting. And how do you undo them once they're there? They're kind of, we need a psychologist to come in next time. Yeah, going, right. <laughs> That'd be that great, great next step. I mean, I, I think there is a, an onus on the consumer of news on the citizen to potentially get news from multiple places mm -hmm. to talk about it with other people. But for a lot of people, that takes a lot of effort and people don't have time to get news from different places. They don't have time to talk about, it. or, you know, it kind of fits their beliefs about oh, reinforces what exactly. they're right, yeah. right. So that, that takes effort. So, I mean, we talk about being media literate uh, in the sense of understanding the message that's being conveyed to you mm -hmm. and thinking about what that message is and why it's being presented to you in that way. And do you agree or disagree with it? But again, that all for most people who pay attention to politics at all, you know, there's the choices and the beliefs that they make tend to be pretty surface level. And again, doesn't mean they're bad people, but we don't necessarily think a lot about the issues in an in-depth way, which of course is why the way that news media reports on them is so vital because it hmm. potentially can affect the way we think about them mm -hmm. because we don't have to think about it then. Yeah. As he, as he was speaking, I just kept thinking we can't be passive mm -hmm. about anything, about the way we receive our messages and I don't know if this is a generational shift, but I see this in healthcare. You know, 20 years ago when I started, most of our patients kind of took whatever we said with, you know, like we had the answers. Right. And now people are more skeptical. And I actually think that's a good thing. I think it's actually protecting them in the healthcare system because they realize that, you know, sometimes it fails mm -hmm. um, me. But I'm also thinking about this with the media and the information we have. You can't just be a passive consumer. You have right. to have a little fight to you and right. question things right and not in a cynical way but or or in a cynical or way maybe or if you want but we'll get over it <laughs> and i think that at least at least partially comes from the proliferation of digital media and social media right. where you're able to get more right. and more information right. and of course you have the ability to get more incorrect information more false information sure and so it's a complicated task to say, oh, I don't think I quite agree with what I just heard. Let me go right. look for the information on the internet. 
And then the question becomes, well, how credible is the information that you find on the internet and potentially leads to a vicious cycle. But I would tend to agree with you that the the skepticism and criticism is, is better. And at least a portion of it. Yes, exactly. Well, we have to go to break um, one final time and then we'll conclude after that. CPL Radio is your community radio station. A great way to honor a special day in your life or the lives of others is to become a day owner. A contribution of $50 or more gives you the opportunity to own an entire day of broadcasting at CPL Radio. As a day owner, we will help you craft an on-air message that will be heard 12 times or more on your chosen day. Here are some examples. Support for today's programming on CPL Radio is made possible by John Smith, celebrating his wife's 29th birthday today. Happy birthday, Jane. With love from your husband, John. Support for today's programming on CPL Radio is made possible in part by John and Jane Smith, in memory of their beloved mother, Florence. CPL Radio's broadcast day is made possible today by John and Jane Smith, celebrating the importance of community radio in Cedarburg. If you're interested in becoming a day owner, fill out the day owner form online or stop in to the Cedarburg Public Library for details. Last thing to consider, well, one of the last things to consider in terms of our uh, thinking about the role of mass media is how we judge the news media sources that we come across. And with the proliferation of all the different ways we can get news, um, in some ways that's good because we can get news from different sources, potentially with different perspectives. But what tends to happen for many people is that they go to a source that they think is going to support their view and where that view comes from is kind of a chicken or an egg argument with the role of news media but when we think about the concept of partisan motivated reasoning this deals with how we judge news sources and so if we are have a certain political uh, ideology and we go to a certain news source if we understand the way that those journalists are reporting the news um, that are, are is similar to our political ideology or our views, we're going to judge that information um, more favorably. We're going to think it's more credible. Um, we're going to sort of um, think that it's it's the most important type of news, for example. But on the other end, then if we go to a news source that 
we perceive as not supporting our political ideology or our way we think about ourselves in terms of a group, we're going to judge that information much differently and less credible, less trustworthy. And there's been a lot of research that that has sort of shown that even if the information is almost the same, the content, the framing, if you will, that if we see a source and we we perceive that source as well, that's a liberal source, or it's right. a conservative source. Right. And if, depending on our ideology, we're going to rate that information differently, yeah. even yeah. if the information is almost 100% uh, the same. And so... And how you're receiving the information too, right? The the whole, I, and I'm telling my age or not, when the president started using Twitter, I guess he's always been using Twitter, but I I am not a person that's on Twitter. So just the fact that communication was coming via Twitter. I'm like, that's not right, is it? Isn't that terrible? What is Twitter? I'm like, oh, well, I guess it's a social media source just like anything else. But it felt really wrong to me, not not even attending to the, the, the actual words that he said or, wh- or what the rhetoric was. Just the fact that it was on Twitter just didn't feel right. But then I also find myself when there are there's something on CNN – I check Fox or something on Fox. I check MSNBC. And then you got to check some of these other outlets that aren't big names where those journalists are 20 year olds with a computer who have information and try to get all of that together and and that it's still good. It's still good information as long as you're being a, a good consumer and looking through everything. And I think then, you know, in terms of the news reporting about the caravan, right, if you see news that sort of refutes potentially or puts in context President Donald Trump's comments about the caravan being bad, if you sort of agree with that, then you're going to say to yourself, oh, that that makes sense to me. That's credible information. But if you disagree with that, then your perception or your, your viewpoint of that news source is going to be Oh, they're not telling the truth, or it's it's not credible, it's not trustworthy, and that's when we begin to see people splintering into their filter bubbles, if you will, to sort of filter out other news that doesn't agree with them, which could be, you know, I would suggest pretty problematic for an informed democracy, even if um, even if the information is primarily the same. Thinking about judging news sources differently based on your opinions um, can sort of throw everything into into whack, so to speak. So I think the key is to, as a, as a citizen, to be critical but not cynical of the news and information that you, that you come across um, because there's a lot of information out there. Most of it's true, some of it's not, depending on where you, you look. And so I think the more you can sort of take ownership of your role as an information gatherer, making that inf- using that information to make decisions about politics or other things in your life, then you know you allow yourself to have a little agency to say I you know I'm I'm well informed, um, and I understand that some information may not be as accurate as it needs to be, and I can use that information then in different ways. Even if it's among your friends, right? You're the same friends that you you know live side by side with, you worship with, you work with that that echo chamber chamber can still be echoing all the wrong information from all the wrong source and so they really can't be your only the only thing you bounce information off of. I mean, I trust Heidi, but I don't know. Yeah, what if she keep looking? What if she 
I'm like, Heidi, is that true? I'm like, yes, it's all true. Why are you looking at me and smiling? <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And so, we'll, so with Bridge the Divide, because, you know, we need to bring that around. We do need to. How we want to share this kind of information with a group of people who may not have heard. I like the the phrase, I think you said the, the informed democracy, you know, that you need to be informed and you may have to work at it yourself to get all the right information. You can't just sit and, and let it kind of wash over you and say that must be so. So we we definitely have an agenda too. Yeah. We do have an agenda. Of, oh. of agenda setting. Uh-huh. We are <laughs> calling you to take the things that you've always thought and to examine them in light of new information. I think that's a lot of what who mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. what, do you, what do you tell your students? I guess you probably get, do you get them when they're coming in young, like freshmen coming in? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I teach a variety of courses. I teach a journalism course. I teach a general citizenship course. And I kind of tell them the same thing. I mean, I I, I think that, that most young, or well, a lot of young people get information mostly from social media relative to other news sources and that's a generational thing it's not necessarily super uncommon for other generations as long as social media has been around but i try to emphasize that you know you in some ways are doing yourself a little disservice if you only get news from one source regardless of your political affiliation regardless of um your attitudes and opinions you know, in some ways you can get news from multiple sources and then maybe come to the conclusion that, well, this news source to me is more credible or more informative. And so I, I try to emphasize getting news from lots of different sources as much as possible, which is challenging and an effort, time consuming. But I think in today's day and age, it's all the more important, especially for a younger generation who maybe who maybe aren't super mm-hmm. um engage with politics right now Mm -hmm. and now that we so we talked a little bit about the election we talked about the caravan which is which is something that's really it really hits me because when I see the the commercials or read an article and I'm like you are you're talking about human beings and you're talking about them as if they're not right and they're not worth whatever you would owe any other human being going but but now that the midterm elections are over it's we haven't seen them, down, right? I haven't yeah. seen them. So, you know, is the invasion still coming? Is the mothership still landing and going to come and get us all? Is it not what... Seems you know, like they were upon trying to... There's certainly some suggestion by some that it was a way to get people who would vote for a particular party or candidate fired up uh-huh. during the midterm election um, because, again, that... The, the purpose of talking about the caravan and sort of talking about it in a negative light uh, could potentially influence people's attitudes about mm-hmm. certain groups of people or candidates and then that maybe lead to actually doing something like voting. Mm-hmm. And so there is some speculation that the rhetoric has certainly cooled off because the midterm election has passed and it mm-hmm. was used as a way to potentially drum up some enthusiasm for people who would vote for a candidate if they, you know, supported Donald Trump or opposed Donald Trump, whatever it might be. Yeah, I feel like it's given us work to do now that now we've got to help undo those fears again, the same way mm. other things about race that we're talking about. You don't you you are 
misinformed. You have the single story. And then if no one ever changes or gives you additional information or helps you change that thought, then you just keep on, you know, it's 10 years down the line and you still believe this person is wrong. That person did this or this group of entire group the of brown people. people are going to get you. The brown people are coming for you. And, and it's it's now it's in your brain. And how do you, you have to undo it? I keep I'm just this is a little off topic, but I, I keep thinking about how the media is, is something that keeps you almost in this like flight or f- fight or flight state, almost like the sympathetic, like I have to be afraid. I have to be staying up with every fire and every disaster and everything happening. And people are almost out of their minds and out of their souls. Like mm-hmm. they are jumping from story to story and they become hysterical and they can't even think. Mm-hmm. And they can't even like, I keep thinking about what about timeless sources of wisdom that are there that are unchanging? What about like having a conversation and having a human connection. These right. are things that that change you and that are powerful. But if that's if all you do is consume right. media, who has an agenda for you, and right. it and it changes depending. It sounds like on who's setting it. Um, I just it's, I just we're missing something, mm-hmm. and it, it feels like we're in this frenzy all the time. So. Yep. Stop it. So stop. Turn off your TV. Heidi says stop. Do what she says. (laughs) Go out to coffee with somebody. Yes. And listen to their side, even if it's not your side. And and it's a human connection. And isn't it okay to pick different pieces? I think, too, when you're talking to people, that whole us versus them, or it is all this way or all this way, Mm -hmm. when you sit and have a conversation with someone, you can find so many things in common and find two or three things that you agree upon and find a few that you don't and it doesn't but it doesn't feel like the world is ending because it's not every we disagree on everything in the world oh we are kind of the same here in the middle oh my gosh there was an snl skit was it this weekend or the weekend before i think it was the it was so funny it might have been two weeks ago where it was talking about how we we agree it was like people on both sides of the aisle it was like we can all agree on this and it was like this whole song about the minutiae in life that we all hate it was so funny i gotta find it and send it so to now you. we're gonna have to sing that <laughs> well if you want to but i just i thought it was yeah. funny like hey at least there's small stuff that we can disagree i mean we can agree on that right. we both don't like but right we we can find stuff we can do if you yeah. if you're putting a little effort into it we can find something yeah well, like thank you so much, Dr. Thank McAvee. You. Thank you. Thank so you very much for having you. me. Appreciate it. Your per- perspective and your right. knowledge. And um, thanks for all of our audience right. for listening. We have, a, we have anything coming up? Um, well, you have a lot of things coming up. I don't yeah, know. December, December 2nd, we are, um, our fantastic local Rivoli Theater is uh, showing The Hate You Give. And we are going to have a, a discussion session after that. December 2nd, the show starts at 3.30. Um, and then after the show, we might have a snack or two for you. And we'll kind of talk about that. And, and I think that's another opportunity to talk about, you know, things that we've got some, some police and community interaction and, and how just how that feels, how that plays out on the media. And if we're sitting in the room, that we can talk about how that, how that makes us feel and how to pick out you know, truth, pick out things that we can agree on. So, so if you are available Sunday, December 2nd, what time? 3.30. Okay. Come to the RIV. It's the place to be. Have a good one. We'll, we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>